Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Hey, this is Amanda Light, co-founder and director of growth at Nimbler.ai, an AI scheduling and communication platform based in Los Angeles. Yeah, I I remember like the first day that my dad brought home a flip phone that had a camera. I I couldn't put it down. And he had an old like compact laptop, probably weighed as much as I did that I would lug with me everywhere. But so I guess those were some early signs, but I've just always been interested in tech and everything that it brings. Um, I always knew that I wanted to kind of have some sort of sales role, some sort of leadership role. And I mean, tech is, is the perfect place for that. So if for me, it's just been about finding my fit, finding my people, finding the industries that are kind of ripe for innovation and things like that. I did have some early inklings for sure. And when did you start Nimbler? We started Nimbler in 2017. And what inspired Nimbler? Yeah, so... We came together with basically the problem that we wanted to solve is the problem of no-shows in healthcare. And it sounds simple, but it's a $150 billion problem um, today just in the U.S. alone. So it was nice to come into it with one simple problem. We wanted to bring a solution into the market. And the other problem, why healthcare can be so fragmented in technology is because one you know, medical group, for example, doesn't want to have 30 different technologies, 30 different softwares. And so we were like, whatever we build, it's going to be synced into their existing technology, their existing software. So that was, we kind of ran with that. And we have our CTO has a background at a Stanford Research Institute, long background in AI. And so we basically harnessed this AI technology just with the conversational piece, making the outcomes kind of a lot better. So automating the patient communication in sync with those digital existing calendars or in healthcare, they're called an EHR, electronic health record. So Holly is like automating the job of a call center essentially. So for you and I, it's any reason that you would call your doctor's office or they would need to call you, right? We automate that. And then we're working in sync behind the scenes to update it just as a receptionist would. Before Nimbler, what was your journey to get to Nimbler? What were you, who were you before then? Yeah. So when I was in college, I started a job that was like part-time for another entrepreneur, but it was, it was more like a sales gig essentially. Um, and it was in logistics, which is another great industry, very, very ripe for innovation and 
defragmenting, not a very sexy industry, but (laughs) (laughs) so I started kind of working for him. He had a consulting company. So making calls, you know, doing the the grind, the sales work. He was building this kind of marketplace, not really a silo, but in healthcare to connect in, sorry, in um, logistics to connect forwarders with shippers and customers, independent sales reps. It's very, there's a lot of moving parts there. So I loved what he was doing. He, uh, he inspired me. And so I kind of started with sales for him. And then he had this prototype and he was after college, he was like, do you want to try this out with me and see if we can't figure out who to sell this to, how to sell it, what we need to change about it, what our product market fit is. And I was like, that sounds like fun. Let's do it. So he went in a little bit of a different direction and we're still working on another product in logistics, which is awesome. And I still work with him on, on a weekly basis. But basically that gave me the taste of entrepreneurship and I loved it, right? Wearing all the hats, trying everything, grinding and and learning so fast. And then after that, I did more of like a a corporate role, which was really interesting, right? Especially from a sales perspective, just the numbers, the inputs, the outputs, how sales is just repeating, repeating, memorizing, knowing what to say. And I really loved kind of seeing the ins and outs of that like well-oiled sales machine from 50 sales reps at a company. So that really helped me understand, right? Once you build these things, what do they look like? So then I had that corporate experience, which I liked, but if you're an entrepreneur saying the same thing, you know, the money might be good or what have you, but it was missing a little something for me. So basically Nimbler happened and here we are. This is Lex Euler, founder and CEO of PT Pay. We help make the patient experience better when paying medical bills. I am based in Los Angeles. Anytime someone like brings up like, are you going to sell this company or like IPO? I'm like, bro, do you think they would let me be the CEO of an IPO company? Like publicly traded companies have a lot of effing rules and I don't think I would remember them. So uh, at some point I think, yeah, we might miss out on some things, but I don't know. Like the truth is like I do and I have like throughout my career, I have missed out on opportunities because of how I behave online. That is 100% true. I have no desire to change who I am online though. So it's like, is that an opportunity I want? Like, I don't know, is the opportunity enough for me to want to be boring on the internet? Like, no, like my like favorite thing in the world is being unhinged online. Uh, And it works. Like yesterday I tweeted, which one of my investors is going to buy me an eight sleep for Christmas? I'm effing tired. And anyways, they're fighting over which one is going to send it to me. So I'm like, I could be more professional or I could get a free mattress. Like, I don't know. Like, we're just like out here doing our best. But I also think, you know, as unhinged or whatever as I am online or authentic or however you want to phrase it, if you went through like my entire internet history, there's like a common thread of like, I'm genuinely helpful to people and I stay very respectful. Um, And then I'm constantly kind of like rooting for the underdog. Like that's like the general themes of things that have like never really changed. Yeah. And I think because of that, people were like, okay, she's not really unhinged. This is just like part of like who she is online. But I also, I always saw my internet persona and me IRL were very different. I had this belief. The thing is, is no one from my internet life had ever met me in real life. Like they were very separate. My IRL people, they're not on Twitter. They're, I don't know what they do. They (laughs) raise their families and like text me and sometimes FaceTime. And it wasn't until this last year that I realized like, okay, everyone I know in my life now, I basically know from the internet. Like I threw a party at my house this last weekend for a founder friend's birthday slash Halloween. And everyone there knew me from Twitter. And then they, they're they always like, you are the most 
similar online as you are in real life. And I'm like, this is news to me. I thought they were completely different. I thought they were. And now I'm like, I don't know, when did they mold together? Maybe they always have been. I'm not really sure. But I think now we've hit a point of like, wow, I really am the same online as I am like in the world, except for like, I'm, I'm also like a hyper introvert. And I don't think people realize that right away. Same. I'm like a really intense introvert. Um, And I don't come off like that online because I'm like, well, the internet is how I dealt with being such an intense introvert who also has so much to say. Yeah, same. The internet to me is um, creative expression. I'm totally, totally uh, an introvert as well. My friend Schwan says, I send YOLO tweets. Um, That's the first time I heard that. I'm like, what's a YOLO tweet? He's like, I just, I don't get how you get away with what you do. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm just like saying hi to who I want to say hi to. He's like, no, people don't talk like that. (laughs) I had a, I had a tweet this week. I don't even remember which one it was, but I did send it to a CEO first. And I was like, am I allowed to post this? And he said, absolutely not. Actually, I said, am I like, can I post something petty? And he said, always. And then I sent him a screenshot of what I wanted to post. And he was like, absolutely not. And then I sent him a link to after I posted it. And I just said, <laughs> YOLO. <laughs> like, if you look up the word YOLO in my text history, almost all of them have a tweet attached to, to it where I've like then sent it to a friend and been like, well, we're going to see how this goes. Hi, I'm Tatiana Mulry, general partner and co-founder of Steamwork Ventures, a series C to series A investment firm. And we're based in Los Angeles. So, so true. I can think of so many um, times in my life where that has, you know, somebody's offhanded comment has stopped me in my tracks and made me really think, okay, is this even viable? Am I, you know, it's, I I know that there's a lot of articles going around right now about stop telling women that they have imposter syndrome. However, you know, that doubt creeps in and a you know, poorly formed comment it can really set people off in the wrong direction. But you're right. You just have to um, look at your North Star, figure out your purpose and say, no, I don't care what this one person says about this or me or the idea or the business model or whatever it is. You just have to keep marching. Totally. My mom says, don't close your own door. And I try to remember that because I think that so many times at least it, I'm just going to speak for myself. I definitely have often had imposter syndrome. I've definitely had self-limiting beliefs. And so when I think of my mom saying, don't close your own door, I ask myself, okay, am I closing my own door right now? Or does that door actually need and want to be closed? And most of the time, it's me just having imposter syndrome and having self-limiting beliefs. I wish I knew your mom 10 years ago when I was pitching to angel investors. And I remember going to this, I had I went to an event. They had like a speed pitching 30 second pitch competition. I nailed it. They gave me a subscription to their boot camp, this angel group, which is now defunct. And for good reason, hopefully it'll appear later in the story. So I go to their boot camp. I've got my amazing deck. I had, you know, this crazy career at MasterCard was super, super successful there. Did not anticipate that I would be up against this wall of I could call it out, but I won't say just attitudes. Let's call it in a very polite way, attitudes. I, you know, I was pitching this app. It was very early in the app days. 
And I had this investor just go, what's an app? And well, is this a lifestyle business? (laughs) And I'm like, okay. And it felt to me like he was saying, you know, you're just a mom in a minivan, you know, going to soccer practice. How could you be running a real business? Meanwhile, I had been running like a ridiculous tens of millions of dollars businesses at MasterCard. So I was very offended and it was a, you know, stupid, naive move to not like push past that and ignore him and just move on. So, I mean, I just, I've been there. I know it's really, really tough. And those traumatic memories will stay with you a very, very, very long time and be that soundtrack in your head that can really hold you back. So that was one jerk, not my entire career. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.